My fault. Didn't have my mic on. Thanks, guys up there for sound booth for all they do. They don't usually mess it up. They usually fix it after we mess it up. So um, appreciate that. All right. Um, turn in your copy of the Word or uh, turn it on to Romans chapter 1. Last week we looked at um, verses 18 through 32. And this morning I want to zero in on two of those verses we skipped over. We mentioned a little bit um, verses 24 and 25. Romans 1 says, Therefore God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. I want us to do what we just sang. And there was a phrase in that last song we sang. I want to slay sin by the grace of God. One of the most predominant sins uh, in America or in the world today is the sin um, of lust of the heart. Verse 24, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity. And one of the ways that lust is clearly before us in our society is through pornography. And I want us to think about that entire subject. It's a subject that affects us all. It's first and foremost a lust of the heart. God has turned us over to the lust of hearts leads to impurity, and it's also, first and foremost, an exchange, as it says in verse 25, of worshiping the Creator, exchanging that for worshiping creation, different aspects of creation. And that's all a lie. That shouldn't be happening. And yet that is indeed what's happening, and it's something that does affect us all. We can't escape it. 60% of internet traffic today is to pornography sites. 60%. More people go to pornography sites than to Amazon. So every time you click on Amazon to order something, say more people are clicking on pornography right now. More than Netflix, whenever you click on Netflix, and more people are clicking on pornography right now. More than Twitter, when you click on Twitter. More people are clicking on pornography right now. More people click on pornography sites than Amazon, Netflix, and Twitter combined. 40% of the people who are on the internet visit pornography once a month, at least. It's something that we can't escape. It is all around us. 90% of eight year olds have viewed pornography. Now that's not hard to imagine. My two year olds can mash phones and swipe tablets. So if you can mash phones and swipe tablets at two, you've got six more years of mashing and swiping and you think you're not going to run into pornography? It happens. And it's going to continue to happen. That's the society we live in now. Feel like I'm in the dark over there. I, you can give me more light. You know, I uh, I like to move around. All right, uh, but we can't get away f- from this struggle. So if you can hear me, if you understand what I'm talking about, 
you have viewed pornography. For the most part, at some point. It's a struggle we all face. I am not the rare exception. You might be, but I'm not. I have viewed it. I've struggled with it like others have. How do we deal with it? I've counseled people at eight-year-olds, some in here, now probably 18, 20. I've counseled people at 68-year-olds that are still struggling. I don't want people to have this burden on their back for the next 20 years. I do want to slay this dragon. I want to slay this sin in us so that we don't have to keep dealing with it. So I want to give you what God is saying in His Word on this subject so that you have the tools that you need to be holy as God is holy and to step out of this sin and into the life that God gives us. So let me first define it for you. Uh, Scripture defines pornography. Matter of fact, the word pornography comes from the Greek word that you have in the Bible, porneia. You can see it sounds like it, porneia, pornography. It's found, let me, it's found in a number of places, but let me give it to you in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither pornographers, porneia, neither fornicators, there's the word. Most of the time when Scripture is translating porneia, it translates it as fornication. So for for a general rule, when you see that word in Scripture, fornication, it's talking about porneia. It's talking about a lust of the heart. It says, don't be deceived, neither fornicators, the first one it mentions, or idolaters, adulterers, the infeminate, homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Love this next verse, verse 11. Such were some of you. That means you can put these sins in the past. We can be born into these sins, but they can be in the past. Such were some of you. It's now past tense. Because you were, wa- you were washed, sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. Verse 13 uh, uh, another place, same, same chapter. Food is for the stomach, the stomach's for food, but God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for immorality, that's the word. It's not for porneia, it's not for fornication, immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Look also down at verse 18. Um, flee immorality, there's the word again. Flee porneia. Flee immorality, fornication. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Fornication, pornography, is simply a, the arousal of lust in our hearts towards um, that which is inappropriate. Sexual activity with someone who is not our spouse. Something that God has forbidden in His Word. That's what pornography is. It's a sexual passion of the viewer. It's not nakedness. It's not masturbation. Other people go there. It's a lust of the heart, and we need to know that. In other words, if somebody was to streak across this room, we've all seen nakedness. Did we all just sin? No. 
Sin is not seeing nakedness. Sin is not seeing certain visual images. Sin is when that person streaks across the room, it's lusting in your heart saying, I wish that person was mine. I wish I was doing something, and you wouldn't call it this, but inappropriate with that person. That's the lust of the heart. That's Pornography is, is a visual tool to arouse lust in the heart towards that which is not yours, not been given you. It's unacceptable. Um, let me give you some examples of it in Scripture. Look at Genesis 39, verse 7 and 9. This is a um, passage where a woman is committing this sin, lust of the heart. Genesis chapter 39, verse 7. It says, It came about after these events that his master's wife, and here's the sin, looked with desire. Another translation, looked with lust in her heart at Joseph. So Potiphar's wife looked with desire at Joseph, and she said, lie with me. The sin was already in her heart. She has already committed adultery. She has lust in her heart after Joseph. And notice Joseph's description of it in verse 9. He says, there's no one greater in this house than me, and he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you're his wife. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? Joseph is declaring her lust sin. It's evil. And it's against God. He understood the lust of the heart. That's what pornography is doing in our society today. It's stirring up this lust for someone else's husband, someone else's wife, Someone else's child, someone else's daughter, son. Um, it's prevalent. I'll give you another example. Look at Proverbs chapter five, uh, 7. Proverbs 7. Beginning at verse 15. Another example of a, of a woman seeking to steer, stir it up in men. Verse 15, therefore I have come out to meet you, to seek your presence earnestly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, my colored lines of Egypt. I have sprinkled my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us drink, fill our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves in caresses, for my husband is not home. He has gone on a long journey. He's taken a bag of money with him. At the full moon, he will come home. With her many persuasions, she entices him. With her flattering lips, she seduces him. Suddenly, he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as one in fetters to the discipline of a fool, until an arrow pierces through his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. So he does not know that it will cost him his life. This is a woman. If, if, she, if she had was living in our day and had a smart device, she would be sex, sexting or Snapchatting. 
and asking this man that she has Snapchatted or sexted, come on over. My husband's not home. Let me entice you. Let me show you pictures of my bed, of my caresses, of my love, so that you can come and join me in fornication, in adultery. And that's happening constantly throughout our land today. You know the, the, uh, the whole story of David uh, and Bathsheba as he, as he looks out over his city from the rooftop and sees a woman bathing. That wasn't a sin. But there was lust in his heart. And he says, I want her. That was the sin. We can't escape the naked world we're in. So I'm not going to encourage you to. I want to encourage you how to live in the world and not be of the world. We don't have perhaps public bathing areas like David did when he saw Bathsheba. But we've got many nude acceptable areas in our society. And you can't escape them. Those nude acceptable areas are things we call like television, movies, internet, beaches, sports events. I was watching a golf show and there's this nude woman streaking through the golf game. You can't escape this naked world we're in. How do you live in the world and not have the lust of the world? The lust of the eyes and the lust of the heart. That's what God in His grace enables His church to get out of and to flee from. And I want, you, want it for you. Look at 1 John chapter 2. Here's a verse that just kind of describes it for me. 1 John 2 verse 16. It says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. That's what we can escape. This lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. That's what we're dealing with this morning. Also the boastful pride of life. Pornography is a lust of the flesh. It is a lust of the eyes. It comes from our hearts. And we can escape it. It's um, another uh, quick passage just to think through. Philippians chapter th- um, 4 verse 8. clearly that you know that uh, pornography is not in this realm that God wants us to be in. Philippians verse 4 verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, think about those things. Dwell on those things. See, pornography is not in that list. It will never be in a list of what's pure, holy, excellent, right. God said, I want you to be thinking about dwelling. I want, I want your eyes on that which is excellent and beautiful. I want your hearts. I want your desires in these things. Not in the things, the lust of the flesh that the world seems to spend its time on. And one other quick passage, 1 Thessalonians 
When people ask me uh, for counsel on sexual matters, um, I frequently turn to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. And I, I, I typically ask, what's God's will for your life? What do you think God's will for your life is in this area? And here's the answer. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3 says, This is the will of God. Your holiness. Your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. This is not rocket science. God makes it really plain. This is the will of God for your life. Holiness. That you abstain from sexual immorality. So how do we reject the lie of pornography? Our world saying it's, it's okay. It's good. 50, I mean, we're living in a world that's confused. 55% of our society doesn't even think it's wrong. They've embraced the lie. We must see that back in Romans 1, verse 24, this is what God has given them over to, the lust of their hearts, to impurity. They have chosen to accept a lie. God says, okay, we will let you have what that lie will do to you. He says, it will be a dishonor to your bodies and a dishonor among you. Well, how do we slay this dragon? How do we, how do we get out of this um, living of the world. Let's be in the world, but not of the world. I want to give you the same counsel I give to others. So as I've counseled them, let me just give it to you. Here's the battle plan for victory over temptation to sexual lust. It's a 10-step plan. First thing we need to do is acknowledge sexual lust exists in us. It's not out there. It's in us, and we must acknowledge it. Look at Proverbs 28, verse 13. Proverbs 28, verse 13. Joel said we were a word-centered church. You're going to be full of it today. I've got, I hope you're ready for a, a sword drill of biblical passages. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. He who conceals his transgression will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. Are you still trying to hide pornography? Are you still trying to hide your sexual lust? He who conceals it, he who tries to hide that, you're not going to prosper. First step in this battle plan, you have to acknowledge, yes, it does exist in me. I, I, I do struggle with this. This is an issue. You must acknowledge it, or you can't deal with it. So acknowledge this. He who confesses it ends up forsaking it and finds compassion. Um, look at Proverbs also, chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. Proverbs 4, verse 14. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not proceed in the way of evil men. Avoid it, don't pass by it, turn away from it. And pass on. We must acknowledge it so that we can forsake it. Um, if you don't um, acknowledge it, you can't deny it. So many people just want to build fences around it. Say, well, I know it's out there. Let's, let's just protect ourselves from it by building fences. No, it's not out there. It's in here. Acknowledge 
the personal struggle. Acknowledge the sexual lust. Number two, then confess it as sin. Confess the sin. What sin is it? You are breaking the seventh commandment, the eighth commandment, and the tenth commandment. Those are particulars. People say, I'm not sure it's so bad. I'm not sure uh, it's hurting anybody. I don't see why it's so wrong. It's sin. You're breaking the seventh commandment. You're breaking the eighth commandment. You're breaking the tenth commandment. And I want you to get that. Seventh commandment is, thou shalt not commit adultery. When, you know the verse Jesus says in Matthew 5, says, if you lust, have lust in your heart for a woman, you have already committed adultery with her. See, the lust is in the heart. And if you have lust in your heart for someone, you've already committed adultery. You have broken the seventh commandment. So every time those lusts are stirred up, you see a naked image of some sort. Or some sexually arousing image. It doesn't have to be nudity. But you see it, and the lust comes up in you. You've already broken the seventh commandment. You've already committed a breach of God's law. And if that person that you are aroused towards, if that person belongs to somebody else, in other words, it's not your spouse, then that person belongs to a husband, I mean, or a dad, or a husband. It, it's, it's somebody's daughter, somebody's son. It's somebody's spouse. They have been given over to those people by God. That's private property. And when you take what is private and try to make it public, you've broken the Eighth Commandment. You're stealing something that's not yours. He said, but I want it. Then you're breaking the Tenth Commandment. Tenth Commandment is thou shalt not covet. You're supposed to be content with what God has given you. God didn't give her or him to you. He gave you your spouse. If you're not content with that, you're breaking the Tenth Commandment. So I want you to, when you see some sort of image that creates sexual arousal, don't let your mind and heart start thinking, I, I, I kind of like that. No, let your heart and mind say, no, 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 no. I'm breaking Seventh Commandment, Eighth Commandment, Tenth Commandment, not going there. This is sin. This is a clear breach of the law of God. So you don't have to wonder what well, say, well, I'm not hurting anybody. Yes, you are against God when you're breaking his commands. And you are ending up hurting people, including yourself. Back in Romans 1, you're on the way to death and destruction. And so many of these verses talk about that. So acknowledge the sexual lust. Confess the sin as sin. Number three, know your target. I've said this a few times, but I'm, I, I just make it specific. Because people who don't know their target, you know what? You don't hit it. The target is not the image. The target is not your computer. The target is not nudity. The target is not masturbation. None of those things are mentioned in the Bible saying, that's your target, you've got to get rid of them. The Bible says the target is lust in your heart. The sin is not out there. The sin is in here. You must know your target. I have never hit a target I didn't aim at. I, I have to be pointed at the right stuff if I want to kill it. I must point to me. I am the one who is sinning. So know your target. You acknowledge it. Confess it. Know what it is that you are dealing with. Number four, aim at the heart, not at others. 
Typically, when somebody says, you know, that sin, oh, yeah, 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 but Adam made me do it. Eve made me do it. God made me do it. We like to blame others. So again, I'm saying the same thing. Know your target. It's, it's you. Aim at your heart, not at someone else. The problem is not in somebody else's heart. It's in your heart. Look at Matthew, excuse me, Mark chapter 7, 14 through 23. This passage, Jesus deals with this subject and makes it clear. Mark 7 Verse 14, he called the crowd to him again, and he began saying to them, Listen to me, all of you. Understand, there's nothing outside the man which can defile him. So you get that, right? It's not out there. Stuff out there that I see is not polluting me. He says, that's, that's not what's happening. If it goes into him, but the things which proceed out of the man, that's what defiles the man. If anyone has ears to hear, he's got to hear this. He must hear Verse 17, and when he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples questioned him about the parable. And he said to them, are you so lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him? Because it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach and is eliminated. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he was saying, that which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For from within... Out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, pornography, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. Aim at your heart. That's where the problem is. You see things. But then you start lusting in the heart. It's out of the heart comes the evil. The heart must be transformed. Um, number five. So how do you transform the heart? God's word, not our willpower, is the tool for victory. God's word, not our willpower, is the tool for victory. You know Psalm 119, verses 9, 10, and 11? says, I have hidden God's word in my heart so that I will not sin against you. God said, that's a tool. Hide God's word in your heart so that you will not sin against God. God's word is a tool. We have such immorality today because many places that used to have the tool have taken the tool out of the shed. The tool is God's word And we must have God's Word. We must read it and meditate upon it daily as the tool that enables us not to sin. We we have to to know the Word of God to know that it is sin. The Word of God clearly describes what we're talking about as sin. God's Word gives us power. Romans chapter 3, verses 12, excuse me, not 3, chapter 13. Romans 13, beginning at... Verse 12 says, The night is almost gone, the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness. And let's put on the armor of light. There's the contrast. The, the world is full of the deeds of, that are dark and 
immoral. Let's put on the armor of light. How? Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy. How? Verse 14, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. How do you put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh? Because if you don't put on the Lord Jesus Christ and the sexual arousals come, you lust after them. You are making a provision for the flesh. We put on Christ because Christ is the Word of God. You put on Christ by putting on the Word of God, putting the Word of God into you, having the Word of God as the thoughts that are directing you. It's, I call it Bible bullets. It's, you you need, always need bullets in your gun or your gun's worthless. All you can do is throw it at somebody. You, I want to shoot it. I need bullets in the gun to shoot. And the bullets in spiritual warfare are the Word of God. We need to have Scripture verses in our armory. Put on the Word of God. Put on Christ. On Word, His direction for you so that you do not give yourself to sexual immorality. That should be passed. And it can be passed if we have the right tools. So as I've counseled people, you know, what verses do you have to combat sexual immorality? And they say, well, I don't know. So, so I'm giving you a list. Let me give you a list of at least 10. You can use all the ones I've already used. But you start thinking through ones that convict you. Why, why, let me just go back a little bit. Um, John chapter 16 verse 8 says, this holy, One of the Holy Spirit's job, other than exalting Christ, Holy Spirit's job is to come to convict the world of three things. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit will do that in you if you ask Him. Pray, Spirit, convict me of sin. Well, how do I know it's sin? The Word of God tells me it's sin. So if I've got the Word of God in my heart... If I've got it in my mind, I'm thinking about the Word of God, and I get into a place where the immorality is being propositioned to me, the Spirit says, no, 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 David, that's breaking the 7th commandment, the 8th commandment, the 10th commandment. You're right. I'm out of here. See, the Spirit will do His job, but you have to fill up the tank. You have to put on Christ. You have to put the Word of God into you so that you have it with you all the time wherever you go. So come up with some key passages that really work for you, that speak to you. And ask the Holy Spirit, speak to me through this. Let me have Christ leading me. I want to be a Christ follower. I want to be directed by Him. And to do that, I need Christ. I need Christ's Word in me. Let me give you some verses that you might want to use as willpower. Instead of willpower. Let's use the word of God. Matthew chapter 5. 29 through 30. Matthew 5. 29 through 30. If your right eye makes you stumble. Tear it out. And throw it from you. For it's better for you to lose one of the parts of the body. Than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you stumble. Cut it off. Throw it from you. It's better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. And we, we in our society, we don't, we, we don't even know how to comprehend what I just read. 
This is Jesus' view of how to, to deal with sin. Jesus says the way you deal with sin is radical surgery. You ask any of the physicians in the room, if you're taking off an arm, if you're taking out an eye, that's in the category of radical surgery. That's extreme. And Jesus says, that's what you do with sin. Sin is of such a nature, it will destroy you. Cut it off. You have to do something radical. Or you will eat away at your flesh until you're destroyed. That's the, that's the repentance Jesus is looking for. So memorize a verse like that and say, wow, I'm, play, I'm not just playing with fire. I'm playing with destruction. That you understand the seriousness of sin. You see it in Romans 1 that your bodies begin to get dishonored. See it here, see it other places. Give you another passage right here, Matthew 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. I want to see God. The pure in heart are the ones who see God. Memorize that. Lord, I'm looking at, really? I'm looking at pornography? That does not enable me to see God. The pure in heart. I need a pure heart to see you. This is an obstruction of justice. This is clearly against the vision you want for me. Memorize a verse and let it convict you of where you need to go. Another verse, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God, and that you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Christ has purchased us with his own blood. Not just our souls. He purchased our bodies. The lust of the flesh matters to God. The lust of the body. He says, don't go there. Don't you know your body matters to God? That was also in the purchase agreement. And he doesn't want you using your flesh for lust after the flesh. So remember, I am not my own. I need to be a follower of Christ. Another verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things pass away. Behold, new things have come. Do you realize that? You're not a victim. If you're in Christ, you are a new creation. One of Satan's trick is to say, you have to. You must. Because you don't know any better. This is the way you were raised. This is the way you were trained. This is what's in front of you. And God says, no, 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 no. You're not a victim. You're a new creation. You're a new person in Christ. You don't have to do the old things. You don't have to go the old direction. You are new in Christ. You overwhelmingly conquer in Christ. You start today as one who is a victorious conqueror in Christ. Satan wants to make you a victim. And you can't battle sin as a victim. 
But if you go into the battle as an overwhelming conqueror, as a victor in Christ, as a new powerful creation in Christ, so I can do this in Christ. This I can do. Because God has made me new and he's filled me with his spirit and he's filled me with his word and I have power to overcome, to be that new creation he desires for me. Much more. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Just a popular verse. You already have a phrase in this memorized. Whether you know it or not, you've been told it all your life. Um, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Natural product of society. Galatians 6 verse 7 says, do, you not, do not be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will also reap. Well, you know that phrase. What you sow, you reap. Well, if you sow immorality, you'll reap immorality. If you sow fornication, you will reap fornication. If you're sowing the seeds that lead to death, you will reap death. You will reap destruction. Romans 1 said it differently. Romans 1, verse 24 and 25 says, I'm going to give them over to the lust of their heart. If if they want to lust after these things, I'll let them lust after these things. But as they lust after these things, it will lead to the dishonor of their body. Their bodies will become corrupted. They are sowing this. They will reap this. I had to look this up three times because I just couldn't believe it. I was blown away. It was in Time Magazine yesterday. It was in C- on CNN three days ago. The World Health Organization's uh, results of a 2016 survey of 15 to 49-year-olds. And of that survey done of the whole world, so we're talking about the whole world, we're not just talking about America here, but the entire world, there are one million new cases of STIs, sexual transmitted infections, daily reported. One million new STIs every single day. And some of those infections are incurable because some of these sexually transmitted infections are, are, are rising to a level that the old antibiotics won't do anything. And people are just having to be maintained and their bodies are wasting away. And it's so prevalent, we're going to get back to before marriage, that we're going to have to have doctor reports that say this person is clean. This person is free from these infections. Because our world is being, saying, you know, hey, you want to hook up? Hey, you want to just sleep together? And we should be saying, what? What are you asking me? You're asking me, do I want to fornicate? Do I want to engage in fornication? See, that's the scriptural term. You want to kiss me? You want to fornicate? Really? That's where you want to go? No, no, no. I want to pursue marriage. I want to pursue God's design. I want to pursue God's will, which is holiness. I don't want to pursue fornication. A lot of this whole dating scene, we need to clear up the language so that the Christians understand what is being asked of them. You're being asked to sow immorality to sow fornication and you will reap it we know that 
So memorize some of those verses so that you are not deceived. The scheme to the devil is to pull you in and to tear you apart. All right, where was I? That was Galatians 6, 7. Hebrews 2, verse 18. Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 18. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Oh, how wonderful is that? When you start feeling miserable, like Christ won't even entertain a thought from you because you are so miserable, to hear Christ say, I know what your struggles are like. I've been tempted in everything that you've been tempted with. I know that struggle. You can talk to me. I've been there. That's the kind of Savior we've got. And I want you to to see you can go to Him and you should go to Him and you should be crying out to Him for help and grace. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Another verse. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Look, this is not stimulation to sexual immorality. The church needs to come together to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling of this, uh, together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. My point there is don't fight this battle alone. Don't ever go into war by yourself. This is a battle. He says, let the Come to church. Get involved in church. Participate in a church. Get into the group in the church that can stimulate you to what is loving and what is good and holy and right. And if the church is not doing that, you're not in the right church. If the church is using the Word of God, we're constantly seeking to encourage and stimulate you back to righteousness that's found in Christ, back to holiness. We need to fight for one another for that. James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, another clear passage on temptation. comes right after the book of Hebrews, James 1, 14. Each one is tempted when he's carried away, enticed by his own lust. And then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. You see the progression there? That's why to memorize it. You say, if I give in to this lust, where's that taking me? What path has that got me on? And you see, that path ultimately leads to death. It leads to destruction. I talked earlier about uh, sexual transmitted infections. But that's not the only dishonoring of the body. I mean... When we go down this path, it not only leads to disease and infection, but it leads to depression. And it leads to loneliness. And it leads to heartache. And it leads to feelings of insignificance. And it fills up our counseling centers because of all of these things that begin to put pressure and weigh us down and and it's to to a place where we just don't feel any honor at all. Consequences. Uh, Proverbs chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. Proverbs 5, 18 and 19. 
This is a uh, very important passage, um, a longer section, so just note where it is so that you can read the rest of it later. Proverbs 5. Let me read, I'll, I'll read it and just refer to it later. Verse 15, drink from your own cistern, fresh water from your own well. Should your springs be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be yours alone and not strangers. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice. What's the fountain? What's the spring? Here it is, verse 18. And rejoice in the wife of your youth. Is the spring he's talking about, the cistern he's talking about is your wife. As a loving hind, a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you all the time. Be exhilarated always with her love. Why should you, my son, be exhilarated with an adulteress and embrace the bosom of a foreigner? You see, he says, God has given you a spouse. You should be exhilarated with your spouse. Why would you leave what is yours? Become intoxicated and exhilarated with someone else. That's committing adultery. That's fornication. That's pornography. Just don't go there. Understand that God is not against sex. He says it clearly just needs to happen within the marriage bounds. One other verse. Chapter 3 of Lamentations comes after the book of Jeremiah. Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations 3, verse 25. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the person who seeks Him. What a comfort. I want to give you some comforting verses as well. Wait on Christ. Wait on the Lord. You say, God, I'm struggling here. This is a problem. I've not been able to feed it. Are you waiting on Christ? Wait on Christ. Seek Him. God will be good to you. The battle, the battle plan. Acknowledge your sin. Confess the sin. Know your target. It's aiming at the heart. Fill your mind, your heart with God's Word as a tool for victory. Number six, the Lord's Supper. We, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 27 through 32. Um, you know that passage because I've said it so many times in this church. If you're a visitor here, I'll say it quickly. We take the Lord's Supper, and in taking the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper is always presented to us as a time of examination. We examine ourselves. God says, examine yourself before taking of the bread and the cup so that you do not eat and drink judgment to yourself, 1 Corinthians 11. In other words, it's always a time to examine our sin, to turn from sin and to embrace Christ. Say, I need Christ. I need His body. I need His blood. I need to do away with sin. I need righteousness of Christ. That's what's always pictured in this meal. So, join and participate in a biblical church that's using the Lord's Supper every week. It's a great deterrent to sin. And this is how you do it. You tell God. You make a vow to God. You promise God. God, I will never, never take this meal while I am playing with sin. You can always let it pass by. And you can get accountability partners as well. It can be your spouse or someone else. and say They will say, well, why didn't you take the bread and the wine this morning? Why didn't you declare that Christ was yours? And you say, well, because I'm playing with sin. And he told me to examine myself. And he told me not to take and eat judgment to myself. As long as I'm playing with sin. So, well, then you need to forsake that, right? Let's pray. Let's, let's deal. Let's examine and 
do radical surgery. What's it going to take to cut this off? See, the Lord's Supper becomes a weekly tool of God to sanctify His church, and we should use it that way. Number seven, marriage. First uh, Corinthians chapter seven, two through nine. I'm hurrying because I know um, the, the, of the time constraints. First Corinthians chapter seven. Verses 2 through 9 is a passage that says sex needs to occur in marriage. As simple as that. And it needs to occur with frequency. And God says the reason it needs to occur in marriage with frequency is to, keep, is to enable you to um, escape the temptations of pornography. Um, chapter uh, 7 of 1 Corinthians It says, well, I'm just going to read verse 9. But if they do not have self-control, let them marry. For it's better to marry than to burn with passion. You've got these sexual urges. And God says, those sexual urges are to be satisfied in marriage. And if you can't satisfy them outside of marriage, then satisfy them in marriage. It's better to marry than to constantly be in this battle, which is one of God's prescriptions from Genesis 1 all the way through the Bible, pursue marriage. People say, no, I just want to live together. I want to deal with it that way. No, no, no. He didn't say pursue fornication. He said pursue marriage. Some of you who are single say, well, I'm not married. I'm I'm single. What am I going to do? Well, you can pursue marriage unless you don't have the sexual order. Some people, God says, I've made them in such a way that they don't deal with this. This is not a struggle to them. And so they don't have to pursue marriage. And they're more effective in the kingdom of God being single. But those who are not effective because of these sexual immoralities, he says, pursue marriage. And make marriage that passion that God has designed it to be. It's a tool against immorality. Number eight, prayer. Matthew 17, 21. It's just a passage where Jesus says, and this cannot come out except by prayer. That passage actually says prayer and fasting. Some things are so, t- so tough, you have to have God in the picture. God must, and not, God's not going to work without prayer. You have to cry out to God. So be praying that God would free you from the bondage of sexual immoralities. Number nine, prudence. This is where a lot of people want to spend all their time. I realize it's important. But I don't want to spend all my time there because it's, it's, um, it's insufficient in and of itself. Proverbs 14, verse 16. Here's a prudence passage. Proverbs 14, verse 16. It says, A wise man is cautious, namely prudent. He's cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is arrogant and careless. There needs to be a certain element of prudence. If certain things are always causing you to sin, cut them off. Stay away. It's the old analogy is don't get so close to the fire that you burn. It's not prudent to get too close. So there's things you may to, may need to do. There's things you may need to cut off. Um, uh, there are lots of prudent manners. You know, people say, well, the, the 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 solution here is just what we do is we just always put the computer out in the middle of the den so everybody can see what's on when people are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That works. That's prudent. 
But then people have their smart devices and they go sit in their car and they go get in a dark parking lot and they go to work and they lock their doors and they go to somebody else's house. See, you're you're never going to get away from our society. We are in society. We must learn how to not be of it. So yes, there are prudent measures, but the prudent measures, building fences, putting hedges around you for protection, I get that. That's all helpful and it's biblical. But fences fall. Fences fall down. Fences rot. Fences get holes in them. Fences prove not to be high enough. Fences will not be an ultimate solution to dealing with the lust in your heart. Be prudent, yes. But don't see that as the primary solution. It's, it's just a tool. It's just, just a help. Um, if, if you need more prudent measures than I've given you, one website I found that was really good, it's just packed with prudent stuff. It's called The Art of Manliness. Theartofmanliness.com. Search porn and you'll, you'll find page after page of prudent stuff. Number 10, shun the shame. Proverbs 22.1 is a verse that says, A good name is highly to be prized. Do you have a good reputation now? Do you have a good name now? You want to keep that. 70% of society says they would be embarrassed. They would be shamed if they were caught with pornography. You're probably in that group. I'm in that group. I'd be ashamed. Would it hurt your reputation? Would it hurt your name? Would you lose your job? Would you lose key relationships? Shun the shame. If you realize that it's of that nature, put that in your arsenal. That I got to remember this. I got to know this. That a good name, my reputation is highly to be prized. And it's important for all that I do. And so I must kill, slay this sinful dragon. Quick summary strategy for us all. First, be honest. Temptations to sexual lust exist, and they destroy. Second, let's take responsibility for our own sin. Third, let's kill the sin in our hearts. Be killing sin, or sin's going to be killing you. Let's memorize and meditate on Scripture. We'll trust the Holy Spirit to remind us. Fourth, let's join and participate in biblical church using communion weekly. Number five, pursue a biblical marriage as God's way to satisfy sexual burning. Number six, be constantly praying for God's power and word to direct you. Number seven, construct barriers if necessary to viewing pornography. Number eight, realize the shame of getting caught has as many bad consequences. Trying to manage sin, to me, is like playing Russian relay. I said, anytime you're... you're tempted to look at pornography, just imagine a revolver to your head. If you've ever seen that game, you put this six-cylinder, you put one bullet in, you spin the cylinder, you put it up and pull the trigger. How many of you would do that? you got five and six chances of living, right? It's only one in six chance that you're going to die. And a lot of people, to me, play with pornography that way. They say, well, probably won't hurt anybody. I'll look at it this time. And you don't know that it's leading to death. You can't do that but so many times. Do you have to blow up before you kill it? Before you deal with this? Are we going to continue 
to play with his sin or are we going to follow the will of God and by grace slay sin? I hope this is helpful for you. I did something I don't typically do. I made a transcript of this message. This is a copy of my notes called The Live Pornography. It's out there on the wall if you need it. Because this, this is something I found. If you struggle with pornography, you can take this message. Of course, you can always download it. As soon as the service is over, you can download it on your devices. There's a free CD out there you can take. And now there's a free piece of paper out there. It's on the information wall you can take. But if you're struggling with pornography, the next time you have the urge, say, pull this out and just start reading it. I'm going to read this for a while. And you'll see the urge of pornography go away. Because you're using the tools God's given you. I want you to have it. I want you to be able to use it in Bible studies. I want you to be able to use it with a friend. I want you to be able to use this to train up your kids. Because from eight years old, as soon as they start understanding it, they're off and running. And this leads them to destruction. So let's train up this generation, the next generation, to be able to flee immorality and come to Christ. Let's pray together. Father, I and most of us here would much rather have spent this hour talking about the glories and the supremacy of Christ. How glorious, how good, how holy and perfect is He. And yet, we have been mired down in sin. Father, we ask that you would pull us up from the miry clay. That you would take us out of the pits of sin and destruction. That you would set our feet upon an established rock. The rock of Christ. That we could walk on holy ground with Jesus. Father, forgive us for being so far away from you. Bring us back to a place of intimacy, a place that's pure and righteous and good. Let us see sin each week and deal with it decisively so that we enjoy the fruits of Christ and his righteousness. As we take of this supper now, let each one of us examine ourselves and see that we are dealing right now radically with sin. We're putting sin behind us. And we're going to walk out of this room with a new endeavor to live like Christ. Let us take of the bread. Let us take of the cup. Knowing how desperately we need Christ as our only hope for forgiveness, mercy, and cleansing. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask the elders and deacons to come.